0: Do you know that Romans 8, you, you maybe have heard this, but if not, then you receive this from, from the word this morning. This is not about my message, but I, I just had this drop into my heart when we were singing all of these songs. You know, Romans 8, 31, until the end of the chapter says this, what should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those to whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is it then that condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God who is also interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than, if you know it, say it, conquerors. Through him, not through our own awesomeness, but through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the church would say, amen. "Amen." That's just all I have to say about that. That's what the word says. And have a great day. (laughs) I'm going to go for my birthday lunch now. Peace, guys. Scripture says what we need to say. Uh, yes, uh, a lot of thank you for singing awkwardly to me uh, uh, earlier in the service. I really appreciated that. And uh, I mean, most stressful, most stressful part of your morning, Peter, I know. Happy birthday is when you're the person in the room who can sing, it's always your responsibility. Just like when you're a pastor, it doesn't matter where you are in what gathering, you have to say grace for the meal, like every time. Same sort of situation, but it's very stressful to pick the right key, to start in for the group. I get it, so thank you. I I received that as a gift from you this morning, Peter. People will say, I'm 42 today. People will say, you know, my kids are always like, my husband's like, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? I want to be left alone mostly. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, not that I don't want to celebrate. I just like, I just want to like see some people that I love. I want to have a super good nap. And then I want to decide after my nap what I feel like doing. And I want dishes and laundry to not be included in that list. You know what I mean? That's all. Happy 42nd birthday to me. If, if your love language is like gifts or something, then you don't understand what I just said. But trust me, that's a blessing. Uh, so, this morning, um, we are, if you're new with us or you're just joining us, we are working through a series on, on who is church, I called it. Who is the church? And so, we talked about being the priesthood of all believers, that all of us are, are equal in Christ. And then, we talked about the fact that uh, we are members, we choose to belong together in a local church, and what scripture says about that, and then also how we practice that here at Freedom. And today, we're going to talk about um, leadership uh, in a, in a and kind of two weeks in a row, this week and next week, a little bit about what happens in leadership. How does that happen? How do we find the biblical model for that? And then how does that affect each one of our lives? And I hopefully you'll find this uh, interesting. But I just wonder, is anyone else just really having their heart broken over the seemingly endless reports of leaders in the news who are being exposed for moral failure or abuse of power or financial misconduct, and the list goes on. It's just really... It's like ugh, like every time you open your newsfeed. And I, I don't know what to I don't really know what to say about that. And I hope that these things, like you don't know what I'm talking about, because you don't follow that closely as I do, because my vocation and ministry relationships would make it so that I do hear more stories than maybe most people do, but I suspect that we've all seen the headlines. Uh and maybe know people who have been part of the churches, who have experienced a leader who has had some kind of a, uh, has to step aside, has had to resign, has had to do something because of one of these failures. And I know that no church is perfect and no leader is perfect. I know we would always say that. You know that's true about me. We know that, and and we know that we all deal with the consequences of our own choices, that the the battle against sin and the schemes of the enemy in our lives, we we are all doing that battle. But the question that is, I think, rightly coming up in conversations in church and in culture about the church is, how do we stop these these, uh, leaders from falling? How do we stop this from continuing to happen? I keep hearing people asking the question, because when a leader falls— the consequences are devastating. So I, I do appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the even the difficult questions that people are asking. I hear people talking about what's broken in the structures of leadership that allows for this kind of thing to go on. Often known to many, often for many years, you hear the stories. I hear the question being asked about the desire that we have in us for mega this and celebrity that, and perhaps that being the heart of it. And what would Jesus think? He walked into his church and and the expressions of his church that are all over the place. And and what, what would he say? What would he think? And so these headlines um, of leaders falling have really created a lot of suspicion about church leadership. I think it's also created a bit of a reticence to serve in leadership. Like, I'm not putting myself in that position. Forget that. And, you know, you know in leadership people are watching your life and you're just like, I just don't, I just, I'm good to not ever uh, put myself in that position. So these things are all kind of happening and I know it's painful to watch And I am thankful, and we're going to talk about how it doesn't have to be that way, according to Scripture. And um, just to be reminded that, we'll start here, that Jesus is building His church. We're not building my church or your church, but Jesus Himself is building His church. That's what Scripture says. And even if He has to uh, dismantle and deconstruct some things in the way that we do church, he will do it because he will build his church. So uh, I see some of that work going on, and that's why I'm thankful for the hard questions that are being asked about church leadership in general. I also believe that for every story of heartbreak, every headline that makes you cringe uh, that you see, there are many stories of churches and leaders who are faithfully staying in step with the Spirit. I know so many leaders who are honoring the word of God, who are prayerfully considering their own lives and their own ministries, and they they make themselves intentionally accountable to one another, even though they're imperfect, even though every leader is in need of repentance and forgiveness daily. That's for sure true, but they're choosing to stay accountable and, and to walk in step with the spirit. And so we're posing the question in this series, who is church? And like I said, we first talked about the priesthood of all believers, that uh, that's what we, we believe that we all have access to God because of what Jesus did for us. Then that we are members of the body committed to one another for growth and for ministry. And then uh, this week that we have been given leadership to help us to love one another and to work together for the kingdom. And that there is a biblical model to make sure that we do this well that we are accountable, and that we can continue on um, faithfully serving God in the local church context. We really do believe that. So, I want to read a couple of passages with you about church leadership this morning. And I want to use these passages to help us answer a couple of questions. Who are the leaders in the church? Who, who are they? What qualifies them to lead? And thirdly, why do you care? That's always what I like to get to. Why do you care? You do. You don't know. If you don't, maybe you already care. But if you don't care yet, I'm hoping you will by the end of the message. So, we're going to jump into Hebrews chapter 13 to start. And then over to 1 Timothy 3. So, Hebrews 13, um, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. If you don't have one, it's going to be up on the screen for you. Uh, also, you can go onto the UVersion Bible app, click More, and then Events. And these are already loaded up there for you so that you can read along, take notes in there as well. So, let's go to Hebrews 13 as a setup verse. And then we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Timothy 3. Two verses here in chapter 13 that are going to help us verse 7 and verse 17. Verse 7 says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. When I was preparing for this message, I I asked my dad who pastored for 37 years before he retired, can I have all of your old sermons on uh, like deacons and leaders and whatever? So I get these like, (laughs) these files paper files, like, they weren't even, like, they weren't even, like, digital, they weren't even Word documents, and I'm going through them, and, and he, he was speaking about this, this particular passage, and I, I loved, he, he made this comment in one of his messages, like, I don't know, I understand anyone who would want to make their leader's life harder, because it's of no benefit to them, there's, like, I could just hear him preaching that, why would you want to do that, why would you want to make your own life harder, anyway, so, this is, Hebrews 7 says to imitate our leaders, to have confidence in them, knowing that leaders have to give an account, okay, so let's move over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to actually do the beginning of 1 Timothy 3 next week. But we're going to jump today to verse 8 and, and talk about deacons. And so let's read 8 to 13. It says this, Paul writing to the young pastor, Timothy, um, as, he's, uh, as he's setting up a church and leading a church. And he's giving instruction to Timothy. And he says this. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must be first tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife who must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So it's clear that leadership in the church is necessary. We we know that. We read read that a lot in the New Testament. But, But that the selection of leadership has to be carefully considered and respected. Leaders need to be people whose lives and faith are worth imitating. And that in the Hebrews passage, uh, we just sort of use that word leaders. It's a little bit more of a generic term in the Greek. But here in 1 Timothy, this group of leaders we're specifically talking about are called deacons. And the word deacons refers here to Christians who are assigned to serve with the overseers or elders, which we're going to talk about next week, which we would maybe call now Pastors. They're, they're, the deacons are called to serve in a variety of ways, and we, we catch this phrase deacons in other places in the New Testament as well. We see it in Romans 16.1 and Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, for example, and the word deacon in its simplest form, in its simplest definition means servant. Or even maybe more deeply meaning in the original language would be like humble servant. Have you heard us talk about servant leadership before? Have you heard this phrase? This is where this comes from. The idea comes here from scripture. It's modeled perfectly, of course, by Jesus himself, meek and lowly. Not at all who they thought he would be, coming triumphantly as a king and to usurp power and authority from the Romans, but instead coming and washing feet and walking alongside, but also walking in authority. And this is literally the definition. This servant leader is the definition of leadership in the church that Jesus is building. That makes sense, doesn't it? Modeled after him. And we don't know everything about how this worked in the early church uh, because we don't have a step-by-step. We don't have the general operating bylaw uh, for the Acts church. But we do have some clues. And it started in Acts chapter 6. Let's turn there together. Acts chapter 6. Did you do a sword drill? I forgot to mark this one, so, so you can get there before me. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. We get this little glimpse into, into the structures of the church coming together for the first time. Uh, this section is called The Choosing of the Seven. Acts 6, starting at verse 1, says this. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews, because their widows uh, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all of the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. You're going to read about Stephen in the next chapter. Also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, 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 Timon <laughs> Parameus. I just went to like Lion King in my mind really quick there. And I was like, uh, don't get distracted, Tracy. Just keep reading the word. Uh, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them, This is such an interesting little passage of scripture. These men were chosen to wait on tables to distribute food, and they needed to be full of the spirit and wisdom to do it. Did you read that? There is no such thing as just serving when it comes to the body of Christ. All serving needs to be done honestly and thoughtfully and fairly and with integrity and responsibly. And I think that you can hear in Paul's instructions in 1 Timothy where we read about the deacons, you can sort of hear the same thing when he's instructing Timothy on what deacons should be like. You can imagine Paul calling to mind the qualifications uh, that were first set up for those who would serve those that were needed to oversee ministry that were set out here in Acts chapter 6. And deacons don't necessarily um, hold teaching or ruling authority in the church, according to what we see in Scripture, but they exercise responsibility for the physical needs of the congregation most uh, most often. And you might ask yourself, because as I was reading this passage, uh, are only men qualified for this position? Not at all. Uh, In verse 11 in in 1 Timothy there, it says in the NIV, the women. The the women should also be. And it's translated like that in the NIV. Uh, That literally, every scholar agrees that that could be equally translated as the wives of deacons. Like the deacons' wives or deacons who are women. And we obviously prefer the the latter uh, translation for a few reasons. And one of the strongest, we could get into it, you know, you could study that more, more further if you wanted to. But in Romans 16.1, uh, we hear Paul uh, uh, speaking to uh, the church in Rome. And he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Checherea." So, like, we, all, we know that there are women who serve as deacons. And just the, the masculine pronouns are used in, most commonly, which makes sense because in that culture, the masculine pronouns were used most commonly uh, for leadership. So this was, uh, but we do know that women did serve as deacons as well. And so we prefer that that uh, translation: deacons who are women. Here are the qualifications for them as well. So we're c- very comfortable with men and women serving equally in this role in the church. And so that sort of answers a bit of this first question: Who are the leaders in the church? And this would say the deacons. We're going to talk about pastoral leadership next week, but for for our purposes today, the deacons. So the question is, what qualifies them? What qualifies someone to serve in this kind of leadership role in the church? Well, you have here the list in front of you. Paul calls Timothy and his church to do a thoughtful and careful evaluation of a person's life before they appoint them to this role. They need to be worthy of respect, a person of dignity and integrity. They need to be sincere meaning not double-tongued, like not talking out of both sides of their mouth, not indulging in much wine, really pointing to somebody who is moderate and self-controlled, not pursuing dishonest gain. In other words, outside of the church, their reputation would never shame the gospel. They hold to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They know the essential truths of Scripture. They've been tested. I like this one. They've been tested, which means you've been able to watch their life. You've seen them go through hard things. You've seen them come up against difficulty. You've seen how their faith has held. You've seen how they've trusted in Jesus. You've seen how they have made difficult decisions, where they've chosen integrity when they could have not. And that's what it means to see someone's life that's been tested, not just in their own conscience, but others can watch their life and know that these things are true about them. They're temperate, trustworthy, Faithful to their spouse. They're able to manage their children and household well. Keep Christ at the center of their home. That doesn't mean their children are perfect. Hallelujah, that that's not a thing. But it means that they've kept Christ the center of their home. And so that's the list we get here from Paul to Timothy in this first letter. But it's likely not meant to be an exhaustive list, of course but just just to give Timothy some good parameters around what to look for in a person before considering them for this kind of leadership role in the church. And in fact, that's exactly what we do here at Freedom. Uh, And it begins to answer the question, uh, the third question I posed today, which is why we're spending time learning about this together on a Sunday morning. and and This is valuable time, and why, why would we spend it talking about this? So who are the leaders, the deacons? What, what qualifies them to serve? We, we see this list and then other places in Scripture too. First Timothy 3 gives us a great picture of what these men and women's lives should look like. And then so why do we need to know about this as the church? Because firstly, we need to be obedient to scripture when we're choosing leaders. And secondly, it helps us to catalyze our growth. Let me unpack those. As a church, we need to be obedient to scripture when it comes to appointing leadership. We don't do it willy-nilly. It's not about the, the most charismatic person in the room the most outgoing person, the person that people like the most, not a thing. It's not about popularity. It's not about choosing someone who's wealthy, someone who has, like, all the power. It's about the things that are listed here and in other places in the Word. How do we assess someone's ability to care for the needs of the congregation with integrity and with wisdom and full of the Spirit? We compare their lives with the Word, not holding them to a perfect standard. That's who? Jesus, yes, but understanding that that is what their lives are pointed towards. We're not looking for perfection, not possible. But we do have to ask the question, does their life line up with the scriptural qualifications for leadership? Is that what they're pursuing with their whole heart? At Freedom, every January, we have a nomination process for our board of deacons. In our, this, that's our cultural context, these men and women who serve as deacons, uh, uh, serve with spiritual and practical oversight of our church. And they also, we talked a little bit about last week about how we, um, as members, create the ability for us to be in in, uh, in right standing as a charitable organization in Canada. And in, in, in that same way, our, our board of deacons serves as our church's board of directors for us as a registered charity, in case you didn't know that. Members are able to nominate Others for the board, and we ask that when a member nominates someone for the board, they consider the nominee's life against a document we have put together called the Qualifications for Team Leadership. And it really is these qualifications sort of fleshed out a little bit, and and some other places in Scripture where we find qualifications for leadership. It's a look at the Scriptures. It guides us in evaluating a person's life, not judging, evaluating, because that's the testing piece, right? We just are looking and saying, this person really does seem to have these qualifications, so that they can lead us well. Our board meetings span a variety of topics and areas of oversight. Uh, First and foremost on every board meeting agenda is our financial reports. That is fascinating stuff. Some like it better than others, that's fine. We talk about staffing. We talk about the property and our buildings. In other words, capital projects are really important to have oversight. Uh, We talk about business and legal transactions. We talk about ministry opportunities. We talk about church life questions. We talk about church life issues. We talk about vision and mission. Uh, We have discussions around that. We talk about policy and procedure. There are so many things we talk about in order to make sure that this local church is staying on track and step with the Spirit spiritually and practically. And this board, I just, I know you don't, we don't allow recordings in that room, it's confidential, but I will just tell you that if you were a fly on the wall at those board meetings, how often you would hear them say audibly, well, what is good for the body? They literally will say, especially when something's real, real tricky, we're just grappling through something, trying to make a decision, what's the best way to go? Should we do this? Should we not do this? They say, what is good for the body? What if it's a little bit risky? What if we don't know We don't know what we don't know? How do we do this? Well, what is good for the body? Like often, they say that out loud. When something is tough, when there are emotions involved, when the decision isn't clear, what is good for the body? I don't know what else I can ask of leaders than to have that of the first and foremost part of their heart. Being fully full of the spirit and wisdom is so essential to be able able to answer that question well. Are these men and women on the board perfectly achieving the ideal in their Christian lives every single day? Why don't you ask them and see what they say? (laughs) I'm not going to say, I'm just saying ask them and see what they say you know the answer, you know. Walt's back there going, (laughs) yeah, right? Like, we know, yeah. He's like, yeah, obviously. Uh, But we we know that that's not, we've already said that several times, but they are surrendered to Christ, dedicated to serving his church, you, in this context, before their own preferences. I've seen it happen over and over again. They want they don't want to build this church. They want Jesus to build his church here. And how can we help? You know, that's, that's the attitude. And can I tell you something really weird? Like I told you last week how I feel about reading policies. Oh, some of you weirdos love policies and the fine print and whatever. And bless you so much because we need you in the world. Uh, but I don't like that kind of thing particularly. But I like board meetings. I don't know a lot of pastors who say that, but I'm telling you the truth. I like board meetings. They make me happy. I don't go into those things with fear and trepidation. I go in there and think, hmm, I wonder how this is going to go tonight. This is going to be fun. (laughs) These people are so excellent at what they do. They're so thoughtful. They're so engaged. They're so, they bring all something different to the table with their own gifts and skills and, and thoughts. And they just like—and then they, they bring all of that together and then they still say, what's good for the body? And I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of that. It's just so great. It's so great. It's heavy. But it's great. So we're obedient to scripture when we appoint leaders with this in mind. And this is why you need to know that. But that's not the only reason that we need to know what Scripture says about leadership in the church. It's also because we, if we know these qualifications for leaders, it can catalyze our own growth, our own spiritual growth, our own discipleship. You might be saying to yourself, I could never be on the board. Why not? You have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, you may not serve on the board. And that's not, it's not for everybody. There is a leadership gifting and all of those things. But what would stop you from being qualified to serve on the board? What is it between you and living a life in Christ that has the characteristics of someone whose faith can be imitated like we read in Hebrews 13? and i think that when you read these qualifications you need to be very cautious not to say things like oh that's that's totally makes sense for somebody else but to say to yourself yes i will i know that i want to you know when i'm in membership nominate someone and have this in my mind for nominating someone for this process and being cautious about who we put in leadership and i need to know those things for myself so that i can i can participate in this local church well yes but also looking at that list and saying, how does that line up with my, my, my life? How is the spirit filling me full of wisdom? Am I able to, I mean, I may not ever even want, I know people who be, who've been nominated for the board and be like, no thank you meetings, no thank you. But their life was still on that track. Do you understand what I mean? Understanding what it means to be mature in Christ, to be able to let your life be something that others can imitate, means that that you are qualified, even if you don't necessarily serve in that position. That's what it means to be maturing in Jesus. So you can hear this as a call to go deeper in Christ. You may never serve on a board. But your life should be maturing and growing and transforming daily because who knows what you might be stepping into in the future. You don't know what happens. So you just continue in Christ and let him lead you to what's next. doesn't matter what it is because you are maturing and growing. And we use these characteristics to help to guide us to know what we're aiming at. Verse 13 in Hebrews 13 says, that feels like that should say 17. That should probably say 17. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. There is a reward for those who serve well. And when that reward comes from Jesus, that is really exciting. There is a reason to be mature in your faith. There is a reason to be ready to serve others. Because Jesus himself says, there is a reward for serving well. There's a reward for leading well. There's a reward for letting your life be an imitation of Christ so that others can see, and, and not perfectly, but, but that they can come alongside. Paul said, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, right? And I just do want to add in conclusion here this morning that I know I said two reasons, but as I was writing this, I realized there's, there's a really good third reason that we need to know um, all about leadership and the qualifications for leadership in our church and that's because we need to be reminded because we don't always think about it but we need to be reminded to pray for our leaders because those who are willing to lead others to step out and make that commitment and serve in this way are also opening themselves up to attacks from the enemy in many forms when you're in leadership you have just opened up your life to criticism and doubt and fear and worry and even in our cultural context lawsuits <laughs> you know you just don't know what you just don't know what's coming your way we trust jesus with everything but we don't know the future we can't predict those things And so a leader is one who says, I will stand in the gap for this church. I will stand um, and put my name there and serve so that this church can continue to be healthy and growing. And, And they put themselves into a place of attack from the enemy. And I just want to use this as a reminder to pray for these folks. They willingly become a target for the sake of the church, and they need to be covered in our prayers. Their lives and jobs and families and circumstances are just like yours but they've been called and have answered the call and, and chosen to, to stand in the gap for us in this church and to serve us. And so our board of deacons is a different group of people every year, uh, but uh, I, I'm gonna invite, um, I'm gonna, I, I just wanted to do that this morning before we wrapped. Could we just think about these things in prayerfully? Think about our leaders, and I want, I want this to be a challenge to you in a couple of ways. Um, Peter, I'm going to have you come, and could you just do, Lord, I need you, uh, just we're going to do this as a benediction, but first I want to take a moment to pray. You can have anybody you want come with you. <laughs> you can do it by yourself, too. Like, we don't care. It's fine. But um, So I want us to be reminded as we read the scriptures of who is the church, who is church, that we have leaders among us, that we need to respond by choosing our leadership well. We need to understand that these things will catalyze our, and and should be catalyzing our own growth. And also to remember that we have to pray for these people who we have chosen to lead us, because they have taken on something. Uh, Just, they don't get paid to be there. They have chosen uh, to, to serve the local church in this way. So if the Lord would be speaking to you from these characteristics to say, why not you? Are you pursuing these kinds of qualifications as well so that you're ready for whatever the Lord might call you to, whether it's this or anything else? Receive that challenge from him this morning. Just receive it. Don't push against it. Say, what is it in my life that I might need to surrender to Christ? What is it that I need to, to lay down? What are my personal preferences or my, my no's? I've already set up a bunch of no, Lord, not, not this far. This but no further, kind of a boundary. And you need to break those down because Jesus is calling you to deeper maturity. Maybe these things will be sparked in you. Go back through these scriptures and ask yourself, are these the things I'm growing in? But also, of course, this morning, as a reminder that our leaders have, have made a choice to stand in the gap for us and do their very best, though we don't do it perfectly all the time, to lead you well, I would like to pray for them. Um, I didn't tell them anything about this. I know that uh, you all have things to do, but we're gonna, you're just gonna—you're just gonna forgive me later. I already like this idea. Uh, oh, <laughs> Walt and Jim and Julie, could you come? And uh, Jack and Jamie are at the men's retreat right now, but why don't you guys just come? Um, I'm gonna ask—I'm uh, just gonna ask actually anyone who would feel called. We're just gonna have you guys just stand up over on this side. Anybody who would, let's stand together at church. And, and church, I know there's a lot of you who pray, who a lot of you who have been in leadership, a lot of you who know. I would love you just to gather around. You can just face either whichever way is less awkward for you. You can face me if you'd like. And uh, we just want to lay hands as representative for the board, for this board, for the one that comes next, the one that comes after that. And I want us to, as a church, to acknowledge that these folks lead us well so come some people just come come and come and lay hands on them come and lay hands on them you know that you know that if, if you want to pray just do it like there's just there's no rules here and we just take a minute to just lift them up church just from wherever you are just lift them up um it's walt and jim and julie and jack and jamie are our five board members right now and i just want to ask you for a next moment just name them by name bring them to Jesus, ask that the Lord would protect them, would empower them, would give them divine wisdom to serve in this role, that they would have power and insight and they would be so encouraged that even in the midst of whatever they're going through in their own personal lives, that, that Christ would be the center, that he would be foundational, just lift them up by name. Let's do that together for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, as a church, God, we we just uh, we uh, we reach out and we pray over these board members representing our board, the ones that we have asked to serve, the ones that we have, uh, have seen these qualities in their life, and ask them to take on the mantle of leadership and responsibility in this position as a deacon. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for an empowering of Your Spirit in every way. I pray that they would know you more deeply every day. I pray that in the busyness of their own lives that they would see you first, that they would seek you first, that they would know you well, and that every day they would, they would be surprised by the beauty of, of you, Jesus, that they would be drawn in the spirit to new things and deeper things, that they would, they would be so refreshed just personally in their own relationships with you. We pray against every attack that the enemy would bring to them, against their families, any discouragement, any doubt, any fear the criticism that they might receive in this leadership position, we pray Lord Jesus, that they would see you and hear you first. They would hear the spirit more than they would hear the enemy, that they would be able to recognize what is of you and what is and give them divine discernment and increase it daily. We thank you for the wisdom that they bring in leadership, for their ability to continue to say what is good for the body. And I pray that they would hold fast to that every day. I pray that there would be such a beautiful unity, even as you bring diversity of opinion and background and skill set to this team. I pray that they would together understand what you would have for the church. Thank you for their lives and for their ministry. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them everything they need for life and godliness through their knowledge of you that as you uh, pour yourself into them, that they would be, in fact, like your word said, they would have such a great reward for serving us this way. So God, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their leadership. We thank you for their ministries. And we pray a blessing and protection on their homes, their families, their workplaces, and all that they do so that they would be able to lead well in every situation. I thank you for their integrity and their character. And that nothing would be able to come between them and their pursuit of you, Jesus. So thank you for them. We, we name them by name, each of us in our hearts. We we, we just we take them and, and uh, we offer their, just their, their lives to you. And thank you for it all in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We're so thankful for our leaders, you guys. Thank you so much for how, what you do. You know I love you because I tell you all the time. But thank you, guys. And so now kind of as our benediction for the church we're going to go back to that second point which is is the holy spirit calling you to another level is he saying stop disqualifying yourself and ask what i might have for you what's next what's the next thing and the next thing so you're ready for whatever he calls you to next you see what the qualifications are and you would say I want to be mature and full of the spirit and full of wisdom and ready for whatever the Lord would have for me and I don't want to put any barriers around that so let's use this song uh, let's sing Lord I need you and let's use this song as a benediction as a prayer as a way for us to commit to whatever the Lord would be calling us to let's say it together